Hello, mate. How are you? Can I just change that background because that's the better, isn't it? Right. How are you? How are you? It's been it's been a week. It really has. You. Oh, it's mate, you've had two major things go on in your life recently, haven't you? Um, yeah. yeah. One one was rubbish, and the other one was incredible. So it couldn't have been a a more contrasting week if it tried, mate. Yes, indeed, mate. And I, I think really what we'll bring up, because what I don't want to do is make you cry. OK, so that's the that's the main thing. Um, but th this was just for everyone here. Then this was the main uh, today. Um, if I just put that on main picture so people can read that. So you lost Rory. Bless his heart. Bless his cotton socks. What a wonderful. Yeah. I was so, so honoured to have met Rory because he is such a gentle giant a wonderful wonderful dog wasn't he um and yeah. loved his place by the fire um yeah incredible boy you know what anybody who's ever had a dog or a pet knows just how much they uh they mean to you and how much they take up of your life and then when they're gone there's a big hole left and you know, Tia yeah. Blessing is really struggling and we're all we're all oh, with I said to her, it hurts because he loved you and you loved him. And you need to be proud of the fact that you, you know, you can have that relationship with, with, with uh, another being. So, but it's been a tough week. It really has. I, I know he wasn't well and it was definitely the right time, but it didn't yeah. make it any easier. It's still just as hard. Um, uh, so that was the week. And if you don't want me to cry, oh, look at I him. Know. I know. So I'm just pushing those buttons now. But um, that that's really, I mean, a lovely dog and must be so, so for all of you. But I know Tia, it's going to be her first sort of real maybe bereavement. I don't want to go into it uh, if you've had others. But as far as. She's had a few uh, um, dogs go. So Millie was like her right. sidekick. She went a few years ago and she struggled. But, you know, Tia's obviously she's growing up now and she's really into her dog training and she really understands dogs. And she was really <clears> there for that for the last sort of six months she was uh his absolute rock if he needed anything she because that's the sort of person she is she was she was there and in fact he very rarely wanted for anything because uh, she was there so she's got this massive hole in in her life um that mm. nothing nothing will fill oh I mean, she's got i mean her uh, harper our frenchie is her dog um and harper's uh. actually as well because harper and rory were um, such a character they, the two of them were little and large weren't yeah. they <laughs> yeah, yeah, they adored each other. So, so even yeah. poor little Harper's struggling, and it, you know, it is proven. It's been scientifically proven that dogs do feel grief. So, we're just helping every. Everybody's helping everybody through it. Yeah. Family has yeah. always been important to us, but at the moment, it's it's really really important. So, and I I, I just see it's, it's an important part to go through to to release that stress and things. So you know, and unashamedly feel that grief. You know, and it's what I, I go on all about. Anybody say to you that if you're grieving for an animal, it's wrong or it's pathetic or it's stupid? It's not. It's the same grief, and and some people find it worse than than the grief you have for for a family member. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his teachers have been brilliant and they understand and um, they've been supportive. So, yeah. And if you're grieving for an animal, it hurts as much, if not more in some people's cases than, than a family. Yeah. Member. Yeah. Oh, and I think I think I heard it. Um, it was uh, a funeral. I think it was um, Princess was it Princess Diana's funeral or something. And somebody was it. Um, somebody said the, the the price of love is grief. 
And yeah. it's so true, isn't it? You, it you is. know, you, you have that at the end, no matter what, and it hurts every single time. So just to let everyone know, Ian Paulston Davies, we can't see him here at the moment, but he is in the green room and he will be with us uh, shortly. Um, we're also just going to quickly talk about, um, and uh, I mean, you will have, he, he is phenomenal. I spoke to him this morning and we've just been in fits of laughter all the time talking yeah. about his, you know, certain parts of his career and whatever. But there's some really important stuff, which is, is fascinating. I found fascinating about OCD. Um, and people just think it's about tidying up you know, people who like tidying up and putting the cans labels right is the, the typical sort of stereotypical thing of, of it, isn't it? Um, but it yeah. isn't that. It's it's very much um, uh, is something, but it's seriously debilitating uh, disorder, which leads to the sufferer to have unwanted intrusive thoughts, rendering day-to-day -day life a living nightmare. And we can have some sort of experiences of that and actually how coping mechanisms and whatever. Um, but also, I think really important at the moment we've got to cover, isn't it, is uh, is this, that are right, very successful week this week so far. It's gone to the Lords, yes? Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, uh, anybody who didn't know, Finn's Law Part 2, it's the increase in sentencing for the Animal Welfare Act, and that includes service animals. It's what we wanted from the beginning, uh, a five-year maximum sentence. Yes, we'll start pushing for 10 years next. Um, but we, it's been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And it's such a well-supported bill. All sides of the house, everybody um, in the general public, apart from a few morons that I've met along the way, think that yeah. it should have been done. And it should have happened years ago. Finn was promised it four and a half years ago. And we've been waiting that long. And even yesterday, even yesterday, it looked like we were going to run out of time because there were two very famous... <clears throat> filibustering oh. MPs who tried their best to take up the whole parliamentary time talking about something they probably could have spent five minutes talking about. But there we go. Yeah. Politics for you. And and it actually ran out of time. It did run out of time. The session is supposed to finish on the dot at 2.30. And yeah. it did. Whoa, what happened there? That's really oh. unusual. I know. And they came back after the three minute recess or whatever it was, and they heard the bill. All they had to do was read the bill and ask if anybody wanted to make any amendments and if anybody had any objection. It took 20 seconds. We, what we've been campaigning for, for months, for 20 seconds of time. And finally, we got it. So it means now that the Finns Law Part 2, the increase in sentencing for the Animal Welfare Act, goes up to the Lords. So we're not there yet. And we're going yeah. we've got some great friends in the Lords. And we're going to keep pushing them. And we're going to be polite. And we're going to keep our fingers crossed that we get it through. Be polite. That's going to be tricky, isn't it? Nowadays. I know. No one's yeah. polite nowadays, are they? Are anyone polite anymore? You know what? When, you, when you write to an MP or a Lord or a Minister and you say yeah. thank you, they nearly fall off their chair. They <laughs> in a copper, isn't it? Very rarely at a big job does anyone, anyone sort of tap you on the shoulder and say thank you. But when they do, you remember it forever. And that's why we've tried to keep all our campaigning polite. I always found the ones, the, the jobs you bent over backwards for, you know, you did your utmost for, you'd get absolutely nothing for. And the ones really you were just doing your job, you get a lovely letter saying, thank yeah. you so much. You made us feel so much easier, you know, more relieved and things like this. And I was speaking to someone who, who was part of the Federation. Oh, my God, the extra time he put in to... Um, to get the inf um, the evidence for this officer who, who needed... Uh, defending on something that 
is, you know, was, was completely, we believed was a fictitious complaint, but it was ending up in this, it was getting bigger and bigger. And um, believe me, you wouldn't put um, time into someone who just shouldn't be there, quite frankly. And, uh, you know, and he would do the barrister, he was like the barrister's sidekick. He was doing yeah. the barrister's, whatever they're called, the clerk or something. He was doing enormous amounts of work. And reporting back to the barrister wouldn't even get a thank you sometimes. Yeah. You know, because they just assumed it just happened. That's it, yeah. And you know you know what it's like at work. You open your emails at work and it's moan, moan, yeah. moan, moan. Yeah. Now and then it's 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 nice to get a actually you did a pretty good job there. Well done. I, I'm very lucky my bosses are brilliant and they will send out uh well done's and thank yous and, and highlight some good work. But it's just that one little thing. I I talk yeah. about this in the dog training all the time. We're as humans, we're brilliant at saying, Don't do that, you're rubbish at that, stop doing that it's with it, you know, with our kids, with yeah. Yeah. friends with with our dogs with our pets we're great at saying no 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 and, and quite often we forget to say flip it out that was good yeah. no, dog, dog training i deal with a lot of reactive dogs and I, the first thing i say to the owners is we want you to go away this week and i want you to work out how much of your dog's life they they spend reacting and when they yeah. come back they're like it might have been about five minutes last week yeah, and, and they, yeah. you get them to change how they see things so what you're saying is for for um, for six days 23 hours and 55 minutes your dog was perfect yeah so yeah just yeah to tell your dog that they were perfect yeah no that's right do you ever find with your we're going to move on straight away because i, I want to get ian on um do you ever find you speak to your children like good girl good girl yeah, did you? yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another discussion for another day. But yes, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> we'll do that. Okay. Well, first of all, I have got to. Um, I've got to thank uh, Sophia Can. Um, basically, that uh, Sophia Can and Alex Can from Can Communications uh, are marketing and communications consultancy, and they've really helped me just get hold of amazing people like Ian, fascinating people who are able to talk about not only their careers, which are really interesting, especially with Ian, um, because he's he's sort of involved in the policing and acting and and he's, uh, and that side of things, but also with the OCD subject that's coming up, which is, um, I mean, generally is, is a fascinating thing. So basically, um, he's an actor, writer, director and speaker. He's worked in theatre, film and TV. And before all this, I need to ask him about being a stand-up comedian uh, at one point. Uh, he's acted in Tinstar, Hatton Garden, The Bill, Combination Street, EastEnders, Holby City, Vera, Beowulf, Midsummer Murders, Waterloo Road, Desperate Romantics, a bit like you and me, Dave, I'd say. Yeah. Life on Mars, Waking the Dead, Foils War, I'm Still an Impartial. There are there's a list of 70. I won't, you know, read them all out. He's best known for his roles as a villain, hard man or serial killer, and of course, Owen Armstrong in Coronation Street. So without further ado, it's got to be, it's got to be Ian Paulson Davies. Welcome. How are you? Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Harry. Hi, Dave. Nice to meet you. Dave, you meet Ian. Ian, meet Dave. Hello, Dave. <laughs> and, and, and yeah. you know, likewise, it's a huge uh, privilege and honor to be sitting and chatting with two illustrious authors like you. Oh. <laughs> So, fantastic. And, and, There's and, a generous and, word, illustrious. But, but, but yeah, I don't smell it. Both, congratulations, they're both doing really well, aren't they? Thank you. They yes. are. They, they are, are doing Thank you. really well. Grab yeah, yeah. Dave, Dave's is better. Dave's is definitely <laughs> better than mine. 
he could afford he could afford his to put his in hardback you see oh, and mine luckily only sold well because there was a toilet roll shortage but and i think my pages are more absorbent that's all now but they're really... great they, honestly i can't wait to read them both and i've read up about them dave and okay. harry and and they they both look like fantastic reads very different yes. in their ways but no congratulations to you both oh, and i have you. read up that they're both doing really well so you know, well enough for you. Anyway, Thanks, back to me. You. I was getting bored yeah, then. Yeah. Not a thank you, Ian. Dave, are you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm thinking he's a bloody good actor and we're going to show oh, bits here. And oh, in the end, he's going to go, what the hell are these books anyway? <laughs> for, that, uh, for that very performance. Well done, Ian. Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But because time, time, this hour is going to fly by. I know it, it is. is. Um, and... Ian, you started off, you were born and brought up in Wales on a Welsh farm, weren't you? And you yep. were expected to, maybe not expected, maybe, I don't know, maybe your role was to carry on in the family trait. How, how did you sort of diversify, so to speak? Um, well, I'm going to I'm gonna do my best, guys, to look at the camera lens rather than you, because it looks like I've fallen asleep, and I haven't. <laughs> this is the most scintillating conversation I've had this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to train myself to look at the camera. Uh, um, no, I should do that too. You were right the first time, Harry. I, I was expected to to follow uh, my father and my grandfather, indeed my gra great grandfather, into the farming business. But yeah, yeah. I, I just was not meant to be that um, that farmer. Um, so I left my Wellington at the back door and I ran off to London in, in nice. true Dick Whittington style. I had oh, to follow yeah. and pursue my dream, uh, which was acting. And so how did you, how did, did you go in blind and start walking around knocking on doors? Or did you have <laughs> sort of an introduction? Because you started in a miming type thing at Covent Garden, didn't you? Something like yeah. That? Well, that was that was a little a little later. No, I it wasn't. I wish it was as romantic as turning up and knocking doors and sleeping on friends' sofas and park benches, which you occasionally hear that actors have done. Yeah. I was quite tried and tested. Uh, I joined my local youth theatre having ah, discovered uh, the thrill of acting at my, my school. I had a drama teacher who I owe everything, my career to, Chris Nichols, if you're listening out there in the ether. Um, yeah. He uh, encouraged me uh, to, to, to enjoy acting and, and, and maybe pursue it. Yeah. As an on an amateur level, you know, as, as a teenage yeah. level, uh, and so I joined my local youth theatre, and it followed that I, I I I was allowed to audition at drama school. I auditioned at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. I was very fortunate to be one of thirty three members to, to students to uh, to get a place. I mean, they they quote they always quote that thousands apply and yeah. for like 30 odd places. Uh, I hope that's true. It helps my story. Uh, and I did a three year acting course. And then while I was a struggling actor, that was when the mime came in at Covent Garden. Uh, oh, because right. while my, my uh, contemporaries, uh, my mates were, were serving bars and serving restaurant tables and, and pulling pints, yeah. Um, because partly because of my OCD, which I know we'll talk about later, yeah. and partly because I, I'd never pulled a pint or served a table in my life, I, I, I needed to find a, a, an income because, you know, as a struggling actor, you struggle financially as well. So mm. I found that I could occasionally make people laugh by doing daft things. So I took that, mm. that 
uh, that idea to Covent Garden. And what I was became, your act? Pardon, Dave? What was your act? Well, it was kind of physical knockabout comedy. I used to be called, I used to call myself the noisy mime. So it was kind of mime orientated, but very much knockabout physical comedy. And the reason it, it went down so well, Dave, is because there was no language barrier. And of course, you know, 50, if not 60 or 70% of the passing trade yeah. were international visitors, tourists. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my act went down reasonably well. So I did that for a number of years. And then the alternative comedy circuit kicked off. Uh, and I basically mm. took my act indoors alongside the likes of Eddie Izzard uh, and, and other... Yeah, that's how Eddie Izzard started. He was a street wow. entertainer. So a lot of us just um, went indoors and started doing the alternative cabaret circuit. Um, and, and you know, I, so many, Keith Allen, uh, Rick Mayle, Aid Edmondson. Uh, they, See, wow. now I know where they got all their skills from. Yes, Dawn yeah, French, yeah. Jennifer Spawn. All from you. They, <laughs> <laughs> you owe me, all of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We did the alternative cabaret circuit, which we all now know. It, you know, in the beginning, it was very much, uh, it was like the early punk. No one knew what alternative comedy was. And of course, you were there, Arthur at, the Smith, you were there, you were there at the start of all this. I was there just after the start. The start was about 77, 78. Right. And uh, the original team, literally, where bear with me because this is interesting, uh, Aid Edmondson, Rick Planer. Yeah. Um, Tony Allen, uh, um, unbelievable. Uh, Rick Mail, I've said, oh, yes, of course, Alexi Sale, yeah. Uh, and, and they did this wonderful, they, they used to do a cabaret gig on a Monday night in the um Raymond Review Bar, the strip joint in Soho, <laughs> and 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 it was like unheard of, it was so underground, it really was yeah. a beginning of a new movement, if you like. Yeah. And yeah. people like myself and Arthur Smith, who was your recent brilliant guest. We kind of yeah. came on the back of that. Yeah. I don't know when Arthur was exactly, and I know that Arthur, he probably, he would definitely have mentioned Fiasco Job Job. Right, right. Uh, which I was his uh, comedy double act he did with, was it Phil Nice? I hope I'm getting my facts right. Well, I once did a gig with Arthur and his uh, partner at a wonderful vegetarian restaurant called The Earth Exchange in yeah. Archway in London, and it literally was a small restaurant where at the end of the evening the 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 guy called kim a lovely guy pushed the tables to the back or pushed yeah. them to make enough room for a small stage and wow. we comedians uh which included uh um paul merton no uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I have, I, I promise you, Dave, I have a collection of photographs of, of an evening which had Arthur Smith, uh, um, Paul Martin, and myself wow. and my then partner, Rob Edmonds. We did a, a double act called The Great Smell of Brutes. Yeah. And uh, we <laughs> played the audience in Brutes Fabergé and, yeah. and did this. Do this act about two guys on the pull in nightclubs. Oh, it's a, we're, we're going back there. We're I can take back it back there. Early yeah. 80s. So that's yeah. how I started. And, and that was kind of parallel to my acting. Uh, mm. And then as my acting gathered momentum, I was able to do less stand-up comedy. But in the early then, years, guys, the, 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 the stand-up comedy was as important as my theatre. Right. right. How does comedy get you into serious acting? Well, 
<laughs> There's no join, Dave. There's no join. <laughs> it, it doesn't in a way. And do you know what? That's really interesting. No one's ever given me an opportunity to say this, but I kind of regret that there wasn't uh, more of a fusion between the two because, right. as you rightly said, I kind of cornered the market in psychopaths and all-around all, all bad guys. And although I've enjoyed playing them because the bad guy, old cliche, but the bad guy is always more fun than the good guy. Yeah. But I do regret not doing comedy because it, but you get you kind of do get typecast. But if it pays yeah. the checks or yeah. it pays the bills, then you follow that route. But it's something at the grand old age of uh, 31, uh, double that, take away five. Uh, <laughs> it's something I would like to pursue. I'd like to do more comedy. Well, before we go on, uh, just Scotty Bateman, thank you very much. He's a jumbo jet pilot, still flying the biggest of jumbo jets around, even through lockdown, luckily. Uh, wow. I think he's still allowed. To, I think he's allowed to. I think he doesn't just take a plane away. But, I, you know, he's I'm too young to remember any of this. Brute. I think mine was Old Spice. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Blue Stratus. Blue oh, Stratus wow. was... Oh. <laughs> but before we go on, look, I've got to play this. So th Don't forget high karate, guys. Oh, that's probably too expensive for a Cornish boy like me. I don't think the Cornish maids would have appreciated it. Uh, oh, God, that will get me in trouble. Back then, I meant, back then. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, let me just play a, a little selection um, that I've uh, edited. So you've got a list. So this is... This is what I love. You've got the voice of the, the gangster, the bad guy, the whatever. That's what it is as well. And then we're going to go on a little bit to the bill and whatever. But have a listen to this. Pro-Islamic groups hangs himself. Hangs himself. He had cancer. I wrote his obit. Max, this is just a kid who sees a conspiracy in everything. He didn't jump, Jimmy. How do you know? He was paranoid. Maybe he thought they were coming to get him. Oh, maybe they did. Yeah, this coming from the guy who thinks Pearl Harbor... They say my chief constable like looks like... Um, You're rational. This guy. <laughs> the next one next one will come sorry you used to take him to the airport every time he went to Nigeria did I? Hmm. what type of um, car did you drive? Oh. Uh, he's so creepy you look so creepy I don't yeah. remember yeah. what colour was it? sorry Shivers down my spine, I tell you. You just want to... No tax, no insurance, no private hire license. Well, I was an old banger. I was broke. Stony, stony broke. <laughs> what kind of old banger? Was it a, um... Sorry about the freezing. A boxer? I used to have fluffy dice, if that helps. <laughs> and then the... Is there? Yes. I thought you were going to go down in history. Was I wrong to be obsessed with you? No. You were right to be obsessed. Was I? You are horrible. He is horrible, isn't he? Yeah, I understand you. I think that's uh, it's sorry about the little bit of freezing and all that. We'll never have super duper Wi-Fi and whatever, but it just it it does shivers down your spine, doesn't he? Absolute sinister. I mean, you know, you say you get typecast, but all three of those characters are completely yeah. different. So it's not like you're just playing the same character and regurgitating. They're all completely yeah. different. And I'll I've got goosebumps. You. you are. I'll take that. I'll you take are that. Man. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's another one. There's another one I couldn't play. But um, Ian is in a bar. He's behind a bar, and this and and this other gangster comes in, and they're saying it's that, it's that very quiet, controlled sort of threatening tones. And I'd love to play it because it's the the scariest sort of f off I've ever heard yeah. by Ian. It's just full of meaning like that. And then the next thing is jumping over the thing and shoving a gun in his head. And there's and then the C bomb is dropped. And then there's another f thing. This and I'd, I'd have been. <laughs> but it's it's just phenomenal. To, oh, you get sucked into you. it. Is that, so that absolutely incredible? That was Tim Roth, and that was Tin Star. Uh, yeah. And of course, uh, I was pinching myself the whole time because yeah. we're all big fans of Reservoir Dogs. So what, Dave? Tim Roth, a, an incredible yeah. actor. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had to really raise my game to work with him. You know, it was it was a lesson of, I'll tell you what it was a lesson of, Dave. It was a lesson, and Tim is is a genius at this, of less is more. Mm. And, uh, and I really learned from Tim on set that, he hardly does anything, and yet it comes across so powerful on the screen. And yeah. it made me realize that you have to be so still to yeah. get the message across sometimes. It's not to all about just Say what, yeah. Dave? Yeah, to make nothing pay off, you've got yeah. to be bloody good, haven't you? And he's, he's, he's one of the best at that. I've yeah. I've done my best at nothing, but never made it pay off, unfortunately. <laughs> you've got but... to out, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's true, but that, um, but that then didn't that get you quite well known in America then and Canada? Because well, yeah, it was... to be honest, it, it kind of didn't do me any harm. I, I, most of the work I'd done previously, apart from uh, a thing I, I co-wrote called "Dirty Filthy Love," which did very well in yeah. the states, but as an actor, very little. Thank you, Dave. Uh, very little got through until Tin Star. Um, and what's fascinating, when I was, I, I spent a year in Canada, we, we filmed in, in, in the Rockies, we stayed in Calgary, mm. it was just extraordinary, as you can imagine. And what was wonderful when I, when I went to LA soon after was being, being rec recognized on the, it's one thing being recognized, you know, in my local pub in Chester, but it's, it's an altogether most magical moment when you get recognized across the water. So that was yes. a huge, uh, you know, my turn to have goosebumps. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a nice comment there by Debbie there. I'm, I'm loving the fact that I'm a massive fan, a massive Corey fan oh, and can see right, yes. Owen Armstrong. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, hello, Debbie. <laughs> he's still around somewhere, Debbie. I think he's in Aberdeen now. Convalescing in Aberdeen, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, That's what my character, he disappeared to uh, Owen Armstrong and Corey. He, uh, he left Anna the love of his life, and uh, right. went went to a job in Aberdeen, <laughs> never to return. Now, that reminds me, because there's another character. Yeah. There's another character who came and then went and came again, and okay. you've got a story about it. And I'm going to just show uh, this a little bit. Hopefully, uh, it will smooth stream this time, but um, uh, see so if my Wi-Fi can cope with it. All right, let's see. This is the fear saying level. Nothing. Shut up! He's clean. Get up. Do you often make a tea yourself, eh? Try the kitchen. Oh, you've cocked up, mate. Hey? I'll get an apology for this, will I? Hmm? Hey, look at me and I'm talking to you. I'm gonna get an apology for this, am I? I'd back off if I were you. 
a surprise. Nothing here. What did I tell you? I said you got the wrong man, but you wouldn't listen to me, would you? Hey? Now you just come into my home for no reason. You haven't even told me what you're looking for. Calm down. Come on, get out of here. You've got no reason whatsoever to come in here. Get out of here. Right. Oh, for assaulting a police You're officer. Me, you don't have to say anything, but it may have God, girl. Satisfied? We didn't find anything. I'm doing it for assault. What? Right, the interview stage. Yeah, it's, it's Mick. You can't remember where you were two and a half hours ago. Well, I could have been home. You couldn't have been because you were seen returning to your flat at 2.30. Do you always have a problem with your memory, or is it just in the presence of police officers? Oh, I don't have to help you. You're in my place apart, and what did you find, eh? Nothing. Having established where you were at 2.30, let's establish where you were before that. Well, go on, then. You get a great sense of humour, Mick. Do you know that? Look, you're supposed to be trying to do me for assault. What's all this talk of 2.15, 2.30? What's that got to do with anything? Because at 2.15 this afternoon, there were two elderly ladies who were attacked in their own home. They were beaten, they were punched, they were kicked, they were thrown to the ground, they were doused in petrol, and then they were threatened that it was going to be set alight. Oh, this is him right. <gasps> he, do you know what? It, it, it stopped on that. He said, it serves him right. Serves him right. For, they shouldn't have, he said they shouldn't have been so old. No. Oh my god, you do have Can a problem ask... with your memory. What you do have a problem with your memory. You couldn't remember anything in the first interview that Harry showed either. All your memory was fluffy. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that since it was on 20 odd years ago. Can I ask you? And yes. this is a burning question that I, I'm sure so many viewers and listeners to this would like to know what, what, what is your what was your take initially on the bill? as far as the comparison between it and, and real life. I, I loved it. It was an iconic show and, and lots of old Bill used to watch the bill, really? but you did come away. Most, most of us would sit there and go, couldn't do that. What we do do makes boring telly. So yeah. it would be lovely if you could solve a crime in an hour and everyone could go down the pub and have a beer, but right. it doesn't does happen but like that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, because what I thought is so we see uh, your uh, your character being thrown against the wall and then the police officer making up this assault thing. Right. Whether it went through. Now, of course, if you see that on a video out out there, it's like you should lose his job, lose his job. Isn't it interesting when you're watching a, a, a drama, you sort of have an yeah. empathy with that person you go oh he's just had a bad day he'll he'll come around he'll come around and, and, and you know he's a bloody villain as well <laughs> yeah 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 and you think oh, yeah, yeah go on get him and, and then the next thing if it happened in real life so it's a really interesting separation the other thing is there's not a lot of shortly after that i found the obviously i wasn't i don't think yeah i would have been uh with the bill it was lovely the way people could get to know the characters and then suddenly realize actually these are normal people that's what it was so good with for us. As can I, opposed... That's fascinating. Can I also, very quickly, can I ask you, Dave and, and Harry, of all of them, I, I presume you do dip into them, what do you think, what, which do you think has been the most accurate of all the ones we've seen in the last 50 years, say? What dramas, oh, per se? Yeah, police, or, or, no, police, or, yeah. police dramas. Oh, blimey. Uh, do you have I a favourite? Great, okay. there's some great TV out there like Line of Duty, absolutely fantastic. Um, but there's stuff in there that I, I really hope 
doesn't happen. You know, there's some proper serious. Oh, we know there's corruption. There's corruption everywhere. But there's some yeah. proper serious, nasty corruption going on in there. And I would hate to think that I've ever worked with someone like that. But it's brilliant TV. I genuinely right. don't think. You're skating around with them. No, I think if you want. I'm, go on, Harry. If you want that, you need to go to. Um, you need to go to uh, a documentary, Sly on the Wall documentaries, I think, because you can't. I was speaking to a screenwriter was phoned me up for a, a bit of um, detail on policing. And she was like, all right, first of all, I'm really sorry, but this is a drama. OK, this is a drama. And she was apologizing for that. It's this drama. I said, it's OK. I watched Vera last week and she <laughs> yeah. doesn't use police and criminal MSAC for anyone. If she dragged yeah. someone into the interview room, cautioned them, guess what they'd say? No comment. No comment. She's interviewing them in their lounge, getting full on confessions. Yes. I said, it's just, but we, we, we accept no. that. We don't, we, you know, it would be tedious if I, it wasn't. I want the policing to be driving around in an old Burgundy Jaguar and spending <laughs> several weeks on one case. But it's not like that. But it doesn't mean it is not fantastic TV. So, yeah. Oh, I, I, and the other thing, of course, is never would the chief superintendent come out and go and start interviewing people. The forensics pathologist certainly wouldn't be doing it either. And <laughs> they got a job to do in the mortuary. You know, then they come, come out interviewing everyone. You know, so, but it, it doesn't, I, I totally enjoy it. The one I struggled with a little bit was the VIP one. What was that? The, um, um, what? RP? The, was a, the VIP protection one. What was that? Oh, the, the, the one, because this is where my brain oh, goes. Oh, yeah, last year, things. two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got yeah. into it, but I had to get past a little bit. And then I, it was only because other people said it was brilliant. I carried on and it was fine. But you have to switch off to think, you know, the rule is you never, ever, ever leave your principal if you are the principal protection officer. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, what do you do? Leave her in a car yeah. and yeah. run up a building and go and get, no, the, delegate that bit. You know, <laughs> you never, you know, but, but people don't know that. So they don't miss it. You know, it's, I, know, it's too I suppose poetic license is stretched to its limits, isn't it? With these, oh, yeah. uh, yes. uh, these pop dramas. And, and I suppose that is the niggle with all of them. I do think there was a series which you may or may not have seen years ago called Cops. And it was a, it was it was filmed very fly on the wall. The style was very fly on the wall. And I I I, I urge you both to have a look at that because I thought that was pretty damn close to what right. I imagine you guys would okay. think is is right. a, is a drama quite close to yeah. reality without dipping into the poet, poetic. There have been some funny ones that I think. Oh my god, that's hilarious! And I oh, can think yeah. of, I can think of what was the one that Rowan Atkinson did where he was. Where where he did he was the uniform and then there was the detective. Thin blue, was, thin blue right? Yes. Well, yeah. I thought that was, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Thin blue line. That was funny. But do yeah. do watch cops. I'd love to find out what you think of cops. That was pretty. Yeah. Damn the only thing is, in what we tend to do is put in half an hour overtime because if we watch something like that, it is like um, a training package. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> we're like you know, we. I suppose what it is. I don't get the same. I I would the, the bill and things is nostalgic, and I'd really enjoy that again. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think um, I don't um, I don't enjoy that sort of thing, even though I know it's brilliant for other people because it's work, and you know it's it's it it doesn't it doesn't um, do anything for me on that. So I won't tend to go and watch. A, a, a you know a, a, a drama like that so much now I must admit uh, yeah, unless it's something like Vera Vera I've slowly got into 
But again, you know, it's only because my wife does. She watches it. You know. <laughs> she supports oh, things well part two, so I love her to bits. <laughs> and she's very pro-police. Oh, does she? Oh, well, yeah. it's my best one then. Oh, my most what did favorite. you say there? What, what did you say so, there, Billy? So, uh, Brenda, she supports Finn's Law Part 2 and Finn's Law. And she's oh, very pro brilliant. Oh, she's, brilliant. Uh, I've never met her, but she's... Uh, uh, she's Well, yeah. I can tell you she's delightful. She's brilliant. She's, she's everything you imagine her to be and more. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Tell us about the bill. You've got a story about the bill because there was two yeah, episodes but, you did, wasn't there? Yes, there's a burglar in your house, Dave, behind you. Don't oh, no, worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm robbing the electrics. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to let you down slowly. Someone I think she's searching for one of the children because Dave's got so many children and dogs in their house. They they sort of they put the children in the kennels and the the dogs in the beds. <laughs> That's one of what? One of how many? Three, four, uh, three, twelve. Three, three girls. Three oh, girls. God help oh, you. There's and another one going. And, and how many dogs do you have, Dave? Six. Oh, that's a sore question now, Ian. Well, yeah, to bring that up until a few days ago. Very <laughs> 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 <Dad and laughs> <Dave> bless him. <laughs> I made him feel bad now. No, we've gone. We've discussed it. That's why oh, Rory, bless him. He was a. I was. I was very fortunate to go and and meet him. And Rory was his massive mastiff. Just oh, uh, the. He was the elderly statesman of the house, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. bless him. Yeah. He, Good was, day. he had a great character about him. What I loved about him probably the most was that it, he wasn't shy. So he would lay on the sofa uh, on his back with everything on show and not a care in the world. And I think we should all take a little bit of that away with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, I always get intimidated by dogs with bigger ones than me, yeah. though. So anyway, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> that's why I got that's a bitch. Terrier. That's why we got a bitch called Daisy. <laughs> yeah. And I got a border terrier. But anyway, <laughs> yes. no, no threat, no competition. No, no, no. I tell you what, Hot Fuzz was quite close to us, actually. That's by Claire Thomas. Hot Fuzz is quite realistic because I, I have, I have had that chase over the fences. I have had swans in the back of my car, literally. I mean, it's you couldn't, couldn't make it up. I, honestly, it's just really. But anyway, I'm going to drag it out of you. You've got a story about the bill. Yes, I'm going to make it very short. I have to tell you, and and it's interesting that you chose. I, I'll say the Cockney. Um, the comedy mm. clip because very very quickly when I got the part it was a I think it was a three part storyline and uh, and I had being you know I'm, I'm a, a Welsh scouser where we come from we we have this huge identity yeah. crisis we don't really know what we are <laughs> so we have a very odd hybrid northern Welsh tonal scouse tonal accent try putting a cockney in there and and you've got a recipe for Dick Van Dyke disaster I, I, I was cringing looking at that clip. Because I, I did what I think was... It was all right. I didn't know it was I'm not Cockney. How about you, Dave? You're Cockney, almost. My mum was Cockney. I'm, I'm South East London. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was pretty good. I was a bit nervous when you showed that clip, actually, Harry. I, yeah. It wasn't bad. I think it's, it's matured with time. Um, but um, at the time, I was horrified when I saw it back and, and heard the, uh, the, the odd tones. Anyway, in the storyline, my character gets sent down. And I thought, that's it. You know, I've done my three stories. Thank you very much. Checks in the, in the bank. Mm. A year later, the producer rang my agent and said, look, we, we'd like to, uh, to uh, not rediscover, revisit uh, yeah. Ian's storyline. He's in prison. 
he's out and he's angry and he wants revenge. And that was what was pitched to me. And I, I, <laughs> I swore I would never again uh, make people's ears bleed. Uh, so I said, look, I, you know, and I was out of work, so I needed the job. And I said, look, tell them I'll, I'll only do it if he comes out of Scouser. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. They did not That villain was sent down as a cockney. <laughs> and came out 12 months later as a scouser. Oh and do you know what broke my heart? No one wrote in to complain. <laughs> oh, you yeah. would have to. Now, there's there's a link because you would have to. My, you could say you'd have to be OCD to know that there was well, the what you were before and what and that. You do. How can you introduce something like that? Go, yeah, I know. Because and and this was I was just just saying. In in your um your you you're a sufferer of obsessive compulsive yeah. disorder, yeah. and some believe it's about being neat and tidy. And I, I just said this earlier that I took off your website thing, but it, uh, or no your website I took in your uh, CV or whatever. It says, but it's yeah. a seriously debilitating disorder which leads mm -hmm. to the sufferer to have unwanted intrusive thoughts, rendering day to day life a living nightmare. So um how how did that come about with you? And there was no hyperbole in what you said then. Every Every, uh, every 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 uh, uh, tragic uh, symptom or, or or description of the illness is completely mm. true. It mm. is that uh, debilitating. It can destroy people's lives, and I am one of many now who who is more than happy to to shout that uh, description of the illness from the rooftops. It was, a, it, it's known as a secretive disorder. And, and it, it, it literally, that's what it's known as um, within the professionals. Uh, and, 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 and it makes perfect sense because one, not so much now, which is great, but back in the day when I, pre before my diagnosis, pre my diagnosis, I, I didn't know what it was like so many other sufferers. And I actually, Harry, got it down to three things. Uh, I thought it was either a, an aneurysm or a blood clot. Mm. I think mm. they're the same thing, aren't they? Uh, or early dementia. Or I was just going crazy. I literally thought it was one of those three things. I had no idea. When did Sorry, it start for you then? Or when do you when do you think it started for you? Well you were a late bloomer, weren't you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't. That was my that was when I got diagnosed, when I had those three things in my mind. You were about thirty-five, yeah. When yeah, I was thirty-five. Thank you, Harry. That was when I first about got four diagnosed, years ago. Dave. But my <laughs> earliest memory of of OCD was as a, a little boy of seven. Um, right. So I've had wow. it since I was seven years of age. And even then I was aware that something wasn't quite right and that I was very different uh, from other, other, other kids of my age. And as I got older, so it got more, so, so it got worse. And, and by the mm. time I was 35, it, it was, I could barely, well, I couldn't, I could get, couldn't get out of bed some days uh it, it so what were the symptoms to you what were the symptoms at seven and what were the symptoms at at, at 35 um <clears throat> it's mine were were uh, unwanted thoughts as you rightly described it earlier mm. on they're called ruminations they're thoughts that swim around your head and you can't trap them and you can't get rid of them i kind of use a very weak metaphor or analogy, I don't know the difference, years ago, and I've, I've, I'm still using it, I should refresh it. But imagine a whale 
open its mouth and all that krill going in. Now, what happens is all that water goes in and it's left with the krill mm. and that's what it eats. Mm. Now, a, 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 a person with OCD has this, I believe, this large, extra large antennae on their head. And all this information is coming through. Now, whereas normal people will let it all go through and only cling on to the thoughts that are necessary, a person with OCD has to cling on to all the thoughts. And it gets kind of very jam-packed in there. It becomes like mental indigestion. And you find yourself having to digest and analyze each and every thought. And I used to call them my chewing gum thoughts. You can't let go of the thoughts until you've, being forensic about them. And that's how I describe my OCD. There are hundreds of thousands of different OCDs, but that's mm. the best way of describing my, my problem is that I have all these thoughts, all this information, and I can't let most of them go. I have yeah. to store them up and go through each and every one. And I can't be happy until I've mm. been forensic about describing the stain on the floor, the noise uh, outside right. the room, all encompassing and it's exhausting there was someone recently wasn't there who i can't remember who it was i, I want to say it was a footballer but i'm not sure it was who, who came out and discussed their ocd and and, and they and they'd never gone to get diagnosis because like harry said that he'd always thought that it was he knew there was something different about him but he didn't think for one second it was ocd because he'd always been told that it's the people that turn the light switch on and off 50 times or the people that have to yeah. be you know, everything has to be in its place on the coffee table or in the bedroom. Washing uh, hands. He, yeah, yeah. Mm. And then he had these intrusive thoughts and he had thoughts that, you know, if he didn't do this in this sequence, then something really nasty would happen to yeah. someone else. And he got himself into this vicious cycle where, and like you say, it was secretive. No one could see him doing it. But every day he was having to do these things over and over and over, uh, you know, hundreds of times to prevent a, a loved one coming to some ill. It was just that they were his mm. uh, intrusive thoughts. And, you know, there must be so many <coughs> different ways it manifests itself. It's uh... Yeah, I'm, 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 you're absolutely right. Thank you for explaining it so well, Dave, better than me, actually. But I have to say that what's wonderful is that people are talking about it now. OCD is, 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 is very common in our language. And as late as the mid nineties, when I got diagnosed at 35, um, you know, I remember my GP looking it up. <laughs> he didn't wow. know what it was. Uh, so we were the, even as recent as the mid nineties, it was very much the dark ages. But then of course, all these instruments, these instruments were able to, to, to dissect the brain and examine it and photograph it and film it. And, and more and more information came out. So now we know pretty much, you know, parents know about it so they can keep an eye on their children. Teachers know about it. So it's great that it's out there and we're talking about it now. So thank you for that. But do you think it's still a bit of a, a jokey stereotype about it? Because there's a there's an incident when you're on the Coronation, Coronation Street set where you had to jump into the van, wasn't there? Um, and you were worried and you're so it's not just overload information, which could be like similar thing I can think of with autism is where it's just overload and it's busy and whatever. But, mm. but it also can be onto the fact that you were worried about jumping onto the seat in the van or something. Was that? Yeah, no, I mean, forgive me. I didn't, again, this is why I, I, I'll be crossing myself. I'll probably be obsessing about it for the rest of the day. Mm. I didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't have to clarify that that's one aspect of mm. my OCD, yeah. the, the information. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and what I'm saying is, and the reason I use it as an example is that there may be someone out there listening to this very podcast and, and going, oh my God, I thought it was about, yeah. as David was saying, the washing the hands and switching on the line. It is not. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I explain my quite rare and unusual uh, a, a, a side of my OCD, but it is absolutely uh, all encompassing. Yes, germs, mm-hmm. mine, contamination, fear of harm to myself and to people around mm-hmm. me. The biggest mm-hmm. one of the, the, the most difficult one for me is that whenever I sit down, I'm always convinced I'm going to break my coccyx. So I have to go right. through this whole ritual um, right. of sitting down really careful. Uh, and and mm-hmm. I'm very, as I said, I'm an expert at disguise now. I can, and we are all experts at disguise because we're covering mm-hmm. up what we're doing uh, by, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember I described this in an interview many times that if I'm in a restaurant, uh, I can't just sit down straight away because I, my OCD will tell me if I sit down straight away, I will crack my coccyx. So mm. I've got this whole elaborate, mm. I'm pushing the laptop back, this whole elaborate performance of disguising myself. It's like a smoke screen. Uh, and what I'm doing, you can't really see it, but rather than sitting down, I'm going, oh, do you want to sit here or, or should we sit no. over there? Mm. Oh, right. Can I have the menu, please? And oh, yeah. Roche you're wearing, and what I'm doing. This is the this is the distraction. You know, this is yeah, exactly the distraction. What I'm actually doing is going slowly down, yeah. down out of the back of my right. thighs, and touching the chin, and eventually it's it's like a moon landing. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And and my brain is telling me you've got to be very slow before you hit the, the sofa or the chair or whatever, mm. otherwise you break your coccyx. But all this is going on at the same time. But yeah, you know the the Coronation Street team were brilliant. At protecting me, and and uh, and the rover's return was a nightmare because I can't just take a, a sip from a glass because I my OCD will tell me it's stained, it's chipped. Mm. So in rehearsal, and this is what's wonderful about people who who haven't spoken out about it because you think you're a leper, you really do. You think you're yeah. you're, you're, you're you know you're, you're unclean, you're dirty. It's, it's it's embarrassing, it's humiliating. It's none of those things, and people are so damn understanding. And when mm. I came out. On national television in front of Philip and Fern, it was yeah. the best best decision I ever made. You're not a social leper, and people are so mm. so helpful. And in the Rovers' return, we'd have a rehearsal virtually just for me. Not really, I'm indulging, but you know that people behind the bar would say, "Look, Ian, have a look at the glass and the props, people." It's, mm. it's not, yeah. you know, and examine it, and I'd have a sip, and then we'd go for rehearsal. So all those rituals are exhausting, but. Yeah. They're even more exhausting if you're doing it alone. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna come out here. Uh, I don't know whether it's OCD, but I have all those rituals. I have not, wow. not rituals, I have my own. I've never admitted this to anybody. I don't, my wife doesn't even know. And wow. I have so many different, and and it is exhausting because you spend all day doing them. You spend all day going through all these things to prevent things happening, and you're you're. Your mind knows that those things are never going to happen, but you can't stop yourself from doing them because if they did happen, you'd never forgive yourself. Uh, mm. You know, even more, we lost our dog this week, um, and, and I was doing them all the way to the end, hoping that for some reason I might be able to stop him from dying. Wow. And it's just, yeah. yeah, and it is all confusing, and no one knows it's happening. It's going on in the background twenty four seven, and it's oh, it's, it's something that I I remember wow. as a small you, child. I, I remember as a small child, Dave, thinking exactly like you. And then I sort of, for me, and I don't know, I presumed everyone had that, you know, where you, um, I'd, I'd sort of shut the door and then I'd touch it with my hand before I'd go a second time. And I would do that. And I, for me, 
it was enough and i suggest it wasn't a, uh, it was very very mild or whatever because i could say no i'm not going to do it this time yeah. and i don't care it's not nothing's going to happen so i went but there is obviously and it's scary isn't it because oh, there for the grace of god that i then didn't go down where i didn't have something far worse that went no mate you're coming on my journey not yours yeah, yeah, you know exactly exactly harry yeah. exactly and, so what what for you then ian and, and dave that is that's um incredible mate but i bet there's loads of people out there because i know the feelings you've had as well and when i was listening to ian i was thinking yeah yeah no not yeah. nearly like that but i get it i'm not in my mind i'm not yeah. saying well this is ridiculous i mean yeah. you know how could that have an effect on something you know you know i'm generally not because you know that sort of you know yeah. that double tap instead or oh, oh i yes. touched it three times i've got to equalize it you know i i, I yes. get that but luckily i don't do it now i don't have to do it now and thank goodness it's just i put you know it is luck run judgment what how so say i meet you right because mm -hmm. there's social etiquette we we oh we're shaking we used to and i don't know what we're going to do now well, but it's really important people who know each other there's no offense taken so the people as we meet you and whatever is not to go and touch you and hold and shake your hand basically is it it's like hi in you know sit down and how do you go about it i i don't know i i would i would hate to think that i have to police appropriately yeah please yeah my 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 behavior and more importantly other people's behavior i i think people who know me uh know not to do certain things but i would i would not in a way that's it's giving in it's a huge debate actually it's another another hour's discussion about how you deal with it and how you deal yeah. with it within the community what i will say and i'm slightly moving away from that question is that you look around you now look at what we're in you know if mental health ever had a field day we're living it now and i would imagine I, I wouldn't imagine i know for a fact that those levels of anxiety because it's all anxiety led mm -hmm. ocd yeah. alongside all the other mental illnesses is all basically the umbrella term for anxiety mm -hmm. and because mm -hmm. our anxiety amongst everyone has shot up and is way off the scale you know it is a pandemic mental mm -hmm. health is a pandemic so ocd is is having the best time of its life it mm -hmm. is you know it it, it is very worrying. So I would say to people, mm. and I do, you know, we have to be aware of people around us because because it's a, a secretive disorder and people are ashamed. You know, we just have to keep an eye on each and every one of us and mm. and not just ask once, but ask twice, are you okay? Because, yeah. you know, Dave's a perfect example today, you know. Who knows, you know, no one would, I'm sure Harry wouldn't, your family wouldn't, but yeah. you've, you've, you've just admitted it is yeah. exhausting. And isn't that a shame? And I can't tell you how once you confess first to yourself and then to your loved ones and then maybe to a mm. professional, you wouldn't believe how much easier it is. Sorry, I don't mean this to be a, you know. <laughs> uh, no, it's, oh, it's exactly, it's, Ian, it's exactly what we want it to be. Right. All right. Because it, it, the, the whole point of these sorts of things is sometimes Dave and I just chat to each other and there's no guests. And sometimes there's a guest. And it is fun and laughter, Mickey taking um, but we hope to learn something from our guests as well, really. And it is, it's just, and these sorts of things does affect a lot of people. Um, I tell you, mental, mental health in the workplace, guys, it, mm. it, it is, yeah. you know, it's Massive. there. Ian, what, when you got, I mean, what made you go and get diagnosed and then what help did you get after that? Do they help right. you manage your OCD? Do they help you to accept it? Mm. What, what is it? I mean, are you, are you trying to get rid of it? Or are you just trying to live with it? What, how does it work? 
I don't know. I think the jury's out whether you ever get rid of it, Dave. Yeah. Um, I think it's managing it and living with it day to day. There are wonderful, there's, there are wonderful tools out there now that there, there never was when I was a child or a teenager. And of course, medication. Um, there wasn't such a thing. There was, but it was quite archaic. Um, I think I got diagnosed, Dave, because I couldn't live a day longer and and i swear at its worst i wrote a film co-wrote a film called dirty yes. filthy love and it opens with uh the, the character based loosely based on me played by the the extraordinary actor michael sheen with him lying uh prostrate on on, on his bed unable to get up that was me mm. uh it would take me and hours it was a nomination that one wasn't it yeah yeah it, it, and it, it would take and, me hours to get out of bed because I, I, the first thing I would do when I woke up is take 20 minutes lifting my head off the pillow because I felt, I kid you not, that if I lifted my head off the pillow, pillow too quickly, I'd break my neck. Mm. And so it went until I stood up. And even yeah. when I stood up, I was fearful that I'd crack my ankles if I stood up too quickly. And yeah. then I'd fear that if I stood up too quickly, uh, there'd be too much weight on the carpet and I'd wear the carpet out and the bricks and the foundations underneath. Yeah. Yeah. It's not funny you say that, but but mine is it, sometimes at the start of the day, if I don't get up right and do the correct sequence, then the whole day is ruined. Not for me, but for everybody. So people will be, you know, before this and, mm. and that will be rubbish and work will be rubbish. And, and sometimes yeah. you do think, well, actually, it's just easier to stay in bed. <laughs> Yeah. And I was, and I was bed bound, and and that's when I I went uh, to my therapist, and I I was seeing her for depression, and I said I gave the three the list of three, and she said I actually don't know what it is, blah blah blah, but she found someone that did, and I got diagnosed at, at hundred a very expensive hundred and thirty five pound diagnosis. I remember I went to see someone in Harley Street, and within five minutes he said, um, okay, you've not got a, an aneurysm, you're not. You're not, you're not suffering dementia, neither are you going crazy. You have a condition called OCD. And as he said that, I remember he pushed a, a, a packet of tissues over to me. And I thought, I wonder why he's done that. And, of course, <laughs> he knew that any second there was going to be, you know, an eruption of emotion and the floodgates yeah. opened. And I sobbed for a good 10 minutes because I realized that I wasn't one of those three and that, that there was a name to it. Yeah. But it was 35. I'd had it since I was seven. What's great about today is that you can get diagnosis a lot earlier. Thank God. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a ridiculous question, because if you'd asked me that, I think you'd know the answer. Are you doing your OCD now? Because I know I am. Yeah. I'm always doing. What are you doing at the moment now, Dave? What's happening in the last half stuff. hour? There was all sorts of stuff. So when I when I came out to you, obviously, my anxiety went up. So I've got the end of this thing on my my jumper and I'm, I'm doing things to it and I have to do it a certain amount of times. Otherwise, I don't know, the interview won't go well or Mine. whatever it might be um, that, that sort of comes into your mind and then won't leave you alone. And you have to deal with it by doing what, whatever it wow. is. And I have s silly little eye twitches that if I don't do it in a certain order in a certain way in a certain mm. amount of times, <clears throat> all sorts of evils might, might befall to, to people. So mm. it's, it's all the all, all the time i mean are you doing is your ocd there now i mean yeah to, oh gosh it's, 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 it's kind of um it's they called it once upon a time white noise that white noise is always that's kind of mental You're static noise two things at once aren't you yeah. you're trying to yeah. have a normal life and deal with your ocd at the same yeah. time 
And, and it's, oh. it's, I always remember thinking that, you know, the day I, I, I never have another OCD, I'd be able to play Hamlet in a week yeah. because I'm so distracted by, you know, it's like you're not firing on all cylinders because yeah. a few of the cylinders are dealing with the, the noise. What I try and do and what they teach you and train you to do through CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is learn to turn that noise down, learn to cope with it. There are wonderful mechanisms or not mechanisms. Uh, what, what am I thinking? Um, ways of dealing with it. Yes, I've got one now. I had one at the beginning of the thing. If you play it back, you'll see that I was doing this because I was uh, I was convinced there was a, a, little, a little lump in there. I get obsessed with health anxiety as well. So I was fiddling around with that. Um, I put my glasses on earlier on and I my OCD said that I'd, I'd put my eye... <laughs> there was maybe I could write down yeah. maybe we could have a competition. I had about... I've got about six or seven currently, but I'm better because they're on number three or four. Yeah. It, 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 I, I remember when they were on number 11, 24 seven. Yeah. Have a look at that message by MB seven star twice the suffering you suffer with the condition and then you suffer the shame of having the condition. Yeah. And I think that was part of the tears that were expected from you is because yeah. he realized that it was a massive release of stress to know that number one, you haven't got a brain hemorrhage yeah. uh, or brain tumor and so you're not going mad you haven't got dementia um i yeah. it's it's i sort of i'm just waiting for the big bomb because everything like dave with your strap and things like that and that that twitch i used to have as a child i used to go like this a little twitch and i didn't need yeah. to do it um and when i was watching you now these are the most mildest of mildest things i'm not putting myself anywhere in yours but mm. so i can understand the massive exaggerated side mm. of that whereas i i found i was why am i squinting at the tv and i get really tired and i thought when i started wearing glasses i thought oh, this will clear it this will and it didn't it was like i know i was doing i was doing this sort of thing mm. you know and then I, I could then train myself to think no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna just stop doing that for five minutes and see and i've got myself through it comes a little bit now now that's not ocd but i can or if it is, it's like saying, you know, this is what you could have had sort of thing. <laughs> but it's to have an exaggerated form of that. I could see it's almost like being addicted to drugs. It's like having anorexia. It's like having is you can't just switch it off. You, yeah. you know, you have to go through a process, a long process. You know, yeah. I've, had, I've had somebody. Yeah. Um, is it is it linked to self-harming? Somebody asked further up. Could there be self-harming involved? Do you know, is that a, a symptom or not? I don't know. I don't know. No, I would okay. never. I remember I made a mistake at a conference once because I'm. Oh yeah, patron, yeah. I'm, I'm a patron of OCD UK, so I'm mm. I'm I'm often uh, talk at the conferences, the annual conferences, and I made a terrible mistake by comparing it to another illness, yeah. uh, and it wasn't. Uh, it, it, it was a dreadful yeah. thing. To do. It wasn't informed at all. It was yeah. my opinion, and you have to be very careful of making yeah. stuff up. That yeah. you no, think we get that. And I got balled out by someone in the audience who actually had the condition, mm. and she was right to bore me out. So, in answer, I I, I don't have an answer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know whether it's connected. Yeah, do you, yeah. Do you find a certain so for I love dog training. Dog training is my passion, and I, I must admit, you talked about turning it down. When I'm occupied by doing that, because obviously you're you're watching the dog, and it's all about their body language, and of course they pick up on your body language, so they know you've got OCD and you're doing all these little things. I find that when I'm doing that, when I'm immersed in dog training, my, everything gets turned down, and I'm, oh, I'm right. I do pretty well, which is why I spend all my life doing ah, dog training. Yeah, like a distraction. This is good. This is a real. Uh, this is lovely to hear you sharing your 
you know, your stories as well, mm. Dave. It really is. It's it's great. And there's so many, you know, I'm sure there's a joke in somewhere, you know, yeah. about a room of people. And you know, I remember very, very quickly. <laughs> Two went... cops and an actor. <laughs> <laughs> or one one former cop, one dog handler, a, a dog handler, a farms officer and an actor enter a room <laughs> and talk about OCD. Well, no, you see, at the moment, that. I've got your faces in the wrong angle. I, I, I need a fourth person in here, for Christ's sake. Yeah. This is oh, not yes. helping. Yes. <laughs> But it's funny. I, I went to um, a rap party once of um, a, 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 a comedy, a sitcom in Manchester, and I was talking with a friend of mine, and um, I, I was quite bad in my OCD at the time. And he, and he's known, he's a wonderful actor uh, and, and very successful and very well known. But he has uh, not but, and he has terrible Tourette's. Right. Uh-huh. And we were we were chatting at this rap party one evening. <laughs> And uh, and I was checking my shoes, the dog shit, and and you know t- doing my twitches and examining yeah, you know, yeah. myself and checking stains on 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 the on the beer on the, on the beer glass, and yeah. he was twitching away and all that. <laughs> 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 we caught each other doing all these tricks, and, <laughs> and I said, Do "You know what?" I said, "We were single at the time." I said, "We haven't got hope in hell." <laughs> Oh, and I think it was it was those those instant those kind of stories that made me want to eventually write Dirty Filthy Love because when I wrote it with with Jeff Pope my my then writing partner I made made it clear from the outset that I didn't want it to be this all encompassing worthy yeah drama about mental illness i wanted people to laugh at it as well laugh at it in the right way not the wrong way yes so i made it it makes it more accessible if there is humor in there very much like what you described your podcast to be uh harry Mm. or you're on so that's why dirty filthy love has elements of comedy in it because i wanted it to be accessible and not a patronizing worthy you know uh, seminar on mental illness yeah I mean, is that Maria's just said there, Dave? Uh, basically, training horses is a similar, oh, um, yeah. so similar. It sort of dumbed down the the feelings of it. Now, how? Yeah. Because we've gone on longer, but I, it's just really great conversation. I don't want to yeah. shut it off right now. Um, when you're learning your lines, there must be an awful lot involved there, surely. And how did you do it? And especially with something like Coronation Street, where you haven't got time to hang around and spend too mm. much time on them. Are you? Have you got one of those really annoying brains that just learn lines like that? You know. I wish. No, I don't. I have the opposite. There were a couple of actors in Corrie. Craig Charles was one. There was someone oh. else, I can't remember, who have, I don't even know whether it exists, a photographic oh. memory or the equivalent to. And they literally, who was it? To Jack Shepard, a couple of them who could literally just glance at a script wow. and then so go annoying. on and do it. Like my, no. my daughter's like that. Oh, it's, um, I wish. Yeah. There's two things yeah. I wish I could have as an actor, a really good memory and a good ear for accents. Yeah. So yeah. Without having to waste any more time, I'm as bad with learning lines as I was without Cockney accents. Get but it. what was your method? What was get your it. method? You get a script and you just do read it through or do you imagine yourself? Is it easier to remember to imagine it as a picture, as a film, and then it comes, or do you rely on the other person's script back to you? Or they're, they're, those are two methods, actually, Harry. They're two very well-used methods no mine is 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 so boring and methodical um mm. it's it just i learn it like like i would in the telephone directory i really just learn it and go over it and over it and over it a thousand yeah. times i have right. to 
And interestingly enough, I think I have to do it that way and I have to know it more than any other actor on set because of those distractions that me and Dave mm. have been sharing. You I, know, go on. Just going to make a point about that. I struggle to read a book, not because I struggle to yeah. read. I don't, yeah. but because my, bri- my brain, because of all the oh, stuff that's going on, yes, yes. I have to read every single yeah. word and see every full stop. Otherwise, my brain will go, no, you've got to go back and read it. And yeah. it's so oh. frustrating because there's so many things I yeah. want to do. Writing the book for me was incredible, but bloody hell, it was hard work because I had to do every, sing- you know, every single dot and every single place and read every single word and see every single comma. Otherwise, my brain would be like, no, you haven't just read that last paragraph. You've got to go back and do it again because you missed wow. A. It's just you know what, for all the, the disadvantages, and I think it's also important to know. And in fact, one of your your listeners, viewers, uh, pointed this out very early on in in the OCD part of the discussion. And he or she said, she said, I think um, that you know a, a lot of bright people, a lot of geniuses. I'm not saying that me and Dave are, are two of them, but a, a great minds have suffered from OCD. Now, I'm not saying that we are that. But what I'm saying is, and this is the, a quote from Dirty Filthy Love from Shirley Henderson, you know, when when he asks her, are we who we are because of or in spite of? And that's the $64,000 question. What can we get from OCD? Are we, you know, have you written a book? Are you so good with dogs? Is it because you're so forensic? You know, can it lend itself? Or is it in spite of? I don't have the answer. I certainly will not credit OCD with anything because it's been a bastard to me all my life. <laughs> am I who I am? Am I the, the person that can portray people that yeah. can write scripts, you know, because of my fascination with people, the way mm. they sneeze, the way they breathe, the way they, they scratch their ears. Is, yeah. is that because of OCD? Yeah. Because I'm forensic. Yeah. It's yeah. an open goal, but I do believe and appropriately when I say open goal, that's led me on to David Beckham. I believe David Beckham is one of our greatest ever free kick takers because of ah. his OCD, because it's commonly known that he used to do an extra three or four hours yeah. uh, practicing those free kick. Now, you telling me that he Bang. did it fight off. And, and he's well known. He's well known that all his cupboards with the labels Order. forwards and things like that. Oh, my goodness. How yeah. fascinating. I because of his OCD that he was that free kick ticket. He yeah. did it. He, he knows, he's ex- admitted, not that, it, that it, he lends itself to OCD, but when he told me, when I saw an interview, I wish, when, it, when I saw in an interview that he said, oh, yeah, I used to do an extra three hours, and I used to say, that's your OCD, pal. Yeah. Right, well, there Dave. People out there, out there Dave. suffering, you've got to take, not take credit, give it credit, but say, look, it's, it's awful, but what have yeah. I got out of it? Yeah. Well, Dave, we need to get David Beckham on next week then, all right? Uh, <laughs> right. Um, Patricia, we'll end up with this one. We could talk forever, but I'd love to leave him wanting more. And maybe oh, thank you, uh, in a while forward, uh, when you're doing other things, we'd love to have you back on again. What are you uh, What are you acting in next, Ian? Is there anything in the pipeline? He, she does hope it's uh, comedy. You would be brilliant. Uh, you just made my day. Thank you, Patricia. I wish. No, um, it's not actually. I'm... <laughs> I'm uh, I'm playing a very dodgy. Uh, I'm not going to give it away, but I'm playing a very okay. dodgy character. I'm flying off to Budapest in in oh. a few weeks, and I'll be doing a drama, uh, uh, and that's all I can say about it. So I'm playing another dodgy character, but I I do write comedy, and I'm shooting my first independent movie uh, in June, 
yeah. I, it's called Bolan Shoes, and it's all about Mark, a fan of Mark Bolan, oh, uh, which I am one of. And it's there's comedy in that. But I would love, I would, I'm trying to also sell a sitcom at the moment, which I'm hoping to do, but nothing in the immediate future. But uh, thank you for your. Uh, he never tempted to go back to your roots to a bit of alternative comedy. He never tempted to get up on stage. I thought and you meant a bit of Welsh farming then. I thought for a minute, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I thought that. I'd love it, Dave. But <laughs> do you know what? I'll be honest. I'll be cruel to myself. I, I wasn't. I wasn't that good. I wasn't. I wasn't as funny as my contemporaries. And and I thought, you know, I'll leave them to it. And I I I, I sort of retired uh, quite disgracefully at the comedy store. It was the last night of the comedy store in London. It was the first comedy store because they've now moved. And I was asked to, um, I don't know whether Arthur was performing that night. I was asked to do a five minute uh, piece and I died to death in front of Oh, no. That's all it would take, wouldn't it? That would destroy you. And they they all have. I I swear, Harry, I walked off the stage having died and I walked downstairs. I walked out of the venue. I wrote a little note to my friend who was driving us, and I put, put the little note under the windscreen saying I'd just retired, and I walked home from Soho to Muswell Hill, I think. Oh, uh, wow. And I never, I never performed again, and that was a long time ago. So I don't oh think God. I've got the nerve or the, the love for it anymore. <laughs> although although every comedian and stand-up comedian felt what you felt at some point. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's whether you come out the other side, but... You haven't done I at did. all badly, to be honest. Uh, You've, uh, we, well, you I think we get, so thank you very much. You've inspired. It's me. been amazing. Just hang on at the end. Hang on yeah. at the end, and just after. So I just want to say goodbye to you privately yes. as well, yeah. David. All right, and wait after the thing. But guys, uh, wonderful questions. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, you saw the his um, his Twitter um, coming up, so I will just put that on again very quickly. There's. Ian's Twitter. You might want to follow him on on that side of things. That's Paulston Davies at Paulston Davies. Um, and if there's anything, so you get for. I'm sure you can uh, leave things on there for further information and whatever. But in the meantime, uh, thank you very much. This is where the production team are so slow. You see, mm-hmm. this is what happens. And then uh, I press the wrong button and it takes me ages to get back. But it's been emotional. Had Come back to had it. even worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm blaming it on your OCD. You didn't do your toggle enough. All right. <laughs> oh, God. I'll be in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs>